internet. You spent all that money on that fucking miniature. My name is Matthew Kroll. And artisanal grilled cheese sandwiches? Question mark? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Army of the Dead. Two hour and 28 minute film. Sure that, was. <laughs> that, that I surely did watch last night, uh, very late into the evening. Thank you very much for that. Uh, welcome you're welcome. Yeah. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> I, I, I feel bad now because I think we're getting into a, a, a thing where we're doing like your picks versus my picks. Or really? your picks and my picks. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and um, not that I, I, I had nothing against doing this movie, but it was not one that I was like, yeah, let's go do this movie. Sure, sure, sure. No, I don't. I mean, I actually don't think we're doing that. I mean, we we pick them back and forth, but oftentimes we're liking them or or we're both hating them. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one will be an interesting conversation. I have such mixed feelings about this thing. Ooh. Well, that uh, is uh, that is different to my feelings about it, which are not mixed at all. Right. Um, right. I will say that we're gonna we have a lot to get through before we get to the episode, so bear with us. Uh, we're gonna cover some news quickly, plus a lot of emails. Thank you very much to everyone who emailed us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Or hit us up on Twitter as one did uh, one of the following uh, messages that we'll pass along in a second. But we're not gonna tell you which one did it. Yeah, it could just be anyone. Uh, first things first. Big news today as Amazon announced the purchase of one Metro Golden Mayer uh, for the total price of $8.45 billion, uh, which will see the predominantly most of the MGM library uh, therefore appear on uh, Amazon Prime, if you have an Amazon Prime account. Although the the crown jewel in the MGM library will not be entirely owned by Amazon. Uh, I am, of course, speaking of the James Bond franchise, which will remain 50% owned by the Broccoli uh, siblings. Uh, I think it's Albert and... Ooh, uh, Albert and Rebecca? No, I think uh, it's Barbara. Barbara. Barbara and, uh, and Albert. Um, which is an interesting turn of events. And I guess uh, the pandemic has, has certainly accelerated the way the um theatrical to home release um pipeline has be, is is going to change um any thoughts on the 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 changing of the paradigm of uh theatrical streaming theatrical versus streaming i mean we've talked about that i feel like almost to death at this point i think the the weirdest thing is the corporate the 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 way this maneuvers just another thing under the Amazon belt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, listen for the low low price of a little over half a Whole Foods, you too can buy a dying movie industry. That's right. Uh, that that's the thing that blew my mind a little bit more. I guess was that this was half the price that yeah. they paid for Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. Yes, Amazon is um, uh, completely becoming the. The center point of all of our lives. It's where we purchase everything, right? I mean, actually, to be perfectly honest, I've kind of fallen off Amazon. I'll look for something on a specialty thing or whatever, but like, I I I I watch rental movies through them, right? Uh, that's Apple pretty TV much is my go-to uh, go-to for choice for rental movies over Amazon for some reason. I'm not sure why. It just happens yeah. to be. I looked um, at that. I looked at my spending even even in 2020. I didn't. I mean, I did some. I, yeah. I didn't do as much as I thought. And this year, in 2021, particularly, I don't think I have done uh, much. 
Uh, we, so. we do a lot at our house um, because we have uh, a child, and anytime we need supplies for any reason, uh, it's sure, straight to sure. the Amazon machine. Uh, in fact, whenever I do my tax returns at the end of the year, I download my uh, my entire Amazon purchases and and you know allocate whatever I think was a li- uh, legitimate tax deduction <laughs> right, against right. what was not. Um, but you know, so much so that uh, all my taxes are done separately, and then Amazon is done as a, as a, as a whole entire bracket. This has been the only podcast about Shahir's tax returns. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, no, no refund no. this year. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the interesting thing here is like, so what did they buy? And there's a list. You can go look at what they bought. Mm-hmm. But like other than 50% of James Bond and the raw tapes of uh, The Apprentice, mm. I don't know if Bezos got a whole ton. Like there, th- there's a ton of stuff. You can top load content. Mm. You can dump a huge trough. We've seen that happen across multiple services. But like I'm having a hard time and I pay attention to this stuff finding properties that I'm psyched about, like maybe a Stargate at some point. Uh, uh, well, I mean, there's 4,000 films and 17,000 TV shows that they have purchased. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which but is like, a huge library. It includes some classics like The Wizard of Oz, um, which are massive, you know, like uh, historical artifacts that have endured, uh, you know, decades. Sure. But I would even argue that things like that, things like Wizard of Oz, like kids aren't watching Wizard of Oz today. That's not going to be around for a, for a while. Like we remember it. Like, right, but The Wizard of Oz is as an asset has endured far greater than many other movies that you and I might be fans of. As a cultural artifact, you would have to argue that a film like The Wizard of Oz, Spartacus, which I don't know if is in the MGM library, but those kinds of movies endure in a way and have repeat sales value over time. Um, and probably the IP within those franchises that's what I would get to, um, yeah. are worth a lot of money. That's the uh, thing. And and what's going to happen now is you're going to see TV shows based off of all of them. Right. Um, and I, I like, mean, this is why Disney bought Marvel, is that it's the IP. Sure. You know? sure. They, uh, I mean, I mean look, they bought like, what, 20-something movies, but that's the IP that they want. Yeah. There's no argument there. Yeah. Uh, the It's just a, um, like, Marvel was on its way up when Disney bought it. I mean, another the MGM, thing is, it was on its way down. Well, the James Bond franchise is the longest running franchise in the history of cinema and is one of the most in, um, endured, beloved properties. It's certainly got, you know, uh, more competition now because uh, it is not the only uh, long running franchise. You know, the Fast and the Furious would probably give it a run for, run for its money these days. Um, but uh, that is a 50 year uh, IP that is endured. So, I, I mean, look. Whether the you know like I think I've seen some analysts say that they've 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 paid over what MGM is worth, but maybe they can see some leverage in that. Also, uh, keep in mind that Amazon is producing the Lord of the Rings series, one of the most expensive television television series that is being um, shot in the history of television. And with this purchase, they will also own The Hobbit, um, the entire Hobbit franchise. So perhaps there's something within. Um, that uh, particular piece of IP that they also see, as well as the James Bond franchise, that makes this worthwhile. Um, 
I yeah, I, I agree with you that there is a sense that that there are certain conglomerations happening. Um, I think it's really interesting that um, French uh, certain streaming services are going to be anchored around particular properties that they have. For example, I believe this is the case, but Paramount Plus will be the home of the Mission Impossible franchise uh, from this point <laughs> forward. So if you want to watch a Mission Impossible movie, you will probably have to go to Paramount Plus to watch it. If you want to watch a Fast and the Furious movie, I'm not sure who owns Fast and the Furious at Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, perhaps, maybe Universal. I don't know. Um, uh, Vin Diesel owns Vin it. Vin Diesel owns it, yeah. Also, um, owning the music charts. I don't know if you've heard his summer banger. Oh, I did not hear that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it feels like I do or something like that it's called. Actually, I it's one of those things you listen to, you're like, I fucking hate this. Let me listen to it again. <laughs> and again. And again, uh, and again yeah, and it's again. actually not bad. Uh, I would go say check out. I don't even know if it's new. I just found it. My uh, Nick Parker, friend of the show, introduced me to it, and now it's just on loop. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think we have reached that precipice point where we are paying more for services now than we did for cable. Uh, so cutting the cord has like uh, led us to become, uh, it has, has pushed us in a different direction. Um, the interesting thing, though, is as the, um, you know, you know, this is not a podcast about politics or the economy, but as we sort of move more towards, again, corporations owning more and people owning less, people are actually going to have less money to spend on entertainment. And I wonder if it's actually just going to like people aren't going to get all of these things they don't even right now on average i have two or three yeah i have more uh, than, I I, than i thought i did and i don't plan on getting more um right. but what, what do you mean by uh the people owning it the people have never owned this ip no i'm just talking about stuff Shahir. i'm not talking about like ip i'm saying the 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 I'm saying the economy as a whole with, mm -hmm. for instance, many people were hurt by the pandemic, of course. Yeah. Corporations weren't. Billionaires weren't. They made a shit ton of money. I'm saying the wealth disparity or disparity is oh. growing between the two classes. Right. Uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, that... and, th and so I'm getting to the point where, yes, all of these streaming services are more expensive. If you bought them all, it is more expensive than buying cable back in the day. But I don't think people are going to do it because, A, they might not want to, or B, they will not be able to afford it at these prices. Like, it's just the the disposable spending will go down. It's interesting. I, I think from an economic point of view, I would say that every single cable service is actually a good value proposition for the buyer. The You're talking about streaming is, service? Yeah, every single streaming service is a great value proposition. Netflix for 12 bucks is a great deal. Yeah. Amazon for, what is it, $99 for the year, plus yep. you get all your Amazon uh, deals, and Amazon Prime is a great deal. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon deals, they spike up your price on everything, and then they take it away uh, to give you, right. quote, free shipping. Uh, Hulu, in on its own terms, is a great deal. Uh, the issue is, is that now to get a, you know, like if you wanted to watch Game of Thrones, you are now paying for HBO uh, alongside whatever other services you might own as well. I would say Netflix and Hulu on their own are a great combination as a, as a cable replacement package. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think each of them individually are great deals. Yeah. I think what's happened is, is that now everyone is uh, in the gold rush to create their own service. Um, which means there's a compounding effect. Um, but I also don't think a lot of those services will survive. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next few years. Um, uh, I think this is this is certainly the way of the future, and and whether there is some consolidation of services, whether something comes along to be the Netflix of all streaming services, which is to say that you amalgamate all your services into one, um, that would be of interest to me. But I don't know. I don't know how that would happen with the licensing. The real thing is that all of this is 
licensing and IP. All, yeah. all of this is, is about licensing and IP. And who um, knows, maybe we'll move over to the darkest timeline where Quibi actually took off. Quibi's on Roku now. Great. Yeah, so, so <laughs> and it's funny because I worked on a Quibi show and it was kind of uh, understood within the show that the license that was created for Quibi uh, would only last two years, at which point the, right, right. the uh, Quibi would sell off the rights. And so we produced... Uh, we, in effect, we produced three versions of that show. One that was, um, you know, in in both formats of the turnstile, the horizontal and vertical, and the other that was just a straight up vertical, uh, uh, horizontal that was for network streaming, which had an entirely different branding approach to it and all. And yeah, Roku snapped all of these shows up, and and they're available on Roku as a single streaming units now. Ah, Quibi. Times loved, have changed. Love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a, it's been a Quibi since we've talked about the business of movies. So uh, uh, I'm happy we can do that. Please write well, us in if you've got any more thoughts on the uh, Amazon purchase and whether you will be uh, suddenly getting a Prime membership so you can make sure you can see uh, Carrie Fukunaga's uh, No Time to Die, which apparently there's a lot of time because it's been a while since that movie has been finished. Also, if someone wouldn't mind uh, resurrecting Theodore Roosevelt right about now, it might be a good time to do that. Uh, based on his trust, quote, trust busting. Trust busting. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> speaking of people I trust, we have emails from our dearest listeners. All right, you want to go first, or shall I go I first? How do we do? Uh, let's see. Here we go. This is from Taylor. I finally caught up on the podcast after starting in fall 2018. Oh, my. Wait, hold on. Pause. <laughs> Does that mean you listened to them all? Taylor, write us back. Let us know. It has been, uh, they continue. It has been a long journey. Uh, the parasocial relationships of podcasting is weird. I feel like I know you guys so well, despite you having no idea who I am. Well, we do now through the email. There's a whole bit of thing. We could talk about that. Anyway, they continue. My one movie request is under the Silver Lake. Some people dislike it, while others dig through the movie looking for clues to its deeper meaning. I'm somewhere in between. Anyway, keep up the good work. Half the movies I watch are due to you guys, and usually those are good. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Taylor. No, the um, first and foremost... We've talked about this a lot, I think, even on a professional level, when uh, back in the day when Shahir and I were uh, professional editors. And um, we we basically, there is a weird thing that happens, especially when you're working on a show for a long time, where you start to feel like you know the actors or the characters in the reality show or whatever you're doing. Like, you start to feel like you know them because you do nothing but watch 10 to 12 hours of their face all day. Mm. Uh, in fact, there was one time when I was working on Guy Code, uh, me and the editors went out to lunch and we ran into now a friend... Um, Jordan Carlos, a fantastic comedian who's doing some really cool stuff. He's also uh, been he, on this podcast. He's been on this podcast. He <laughs> yeah. did uh, Empire, I think. Empire yeah, Strikes one of the Back. Star Wars films, yeah. Uh, and we ran into, like, all of us, like, five grown-ass men ran <laughs> into coming the other way down the street, Jordan Carlos, and we're all like, Jordan! <laughs> and he, like, froze and didn't know what the fuck to do. He knew none of us. Like, and 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 then after the fact, like, he, he's since told me, he's like, yeah, that was fucking weird. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. Like, the, the, I, uh, wouldn't he, wouldn't he be a little flattered that like some random people, like there's a level of fame where that sort of thing would be flattering, and then there's a level of fame where that thing would be annoying, right? And not I don't to, think, not I don't to think, smirch Jordan, I think he's no, a great no, no, guy. No, 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 I, no. I, I completely see where he's coming from. Here's five people he doesn't know running up to him saying his name, what's up, but you don't, like, 
we didn't give him context. Eventually we did, and it sort yeah. of like smoothed out. But like, I no, I, I wouldn't want five random people to come up to me talking to me like I like I knew them. Like that's not, and that happens sort of at, at after parties and stuff too. You always feel like you can go up to talk to people, but like you don't know them. So the, anyway, my point is the parasocial <laughs> relationship is hyper interesting, and I have felt both sides of it. Uh, but now you emailed us in, and now we're talking kind of to you. Again, not quite the 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 full back and forth but if you email us it again and actually let us know if you did listen to the whole run uh and uh, and i'm sorry slash you're welcome uh, i don't <laughs> it's know funny because i emailed taylor back and i and that's the first thing i said which is that if i'm reading this correctly you listened to all our episodes since 2018 and i'm sorry yeah um, yeah so we both are just very sorry for anyone who's listening right now including you taylor uh, no, but we're, I, I do um, actually really enjoy email, uh, getting emails like that, so thank you very much, Taylor. Uh, Under the Silver Lake, uh, David uh, David Ben Mitchell, is that the, uh, David Robert Mitchell's film, uh, which was which had a really interesting release uh, in that it was finished, I believe, in 2018. Oh, it might have been finished in 2016 and didn't come out for a couple of years. Uh, I really dug um, Mitchell's previous film, It Follows, um, oh, which, yeah. I, which I thought was just uh, terrific. Um, so I, I was keen to see Under the Silver Lake, but I remember there was something about its release that, that pushed it out quite far. Uh, Andrew Garfield, sort of a neo-noir set in L.A. Um, um, but uh, thanks for the recommendation, Taylor. I will definitely uh, put it on the list of things to check out. Um, going forward, uh, moving on, Baby Dread writes us in uh, about our last week's review on uh, St. Maud. Oh. And uh, this will be an interesting one because this is covering the topic of spoilers. And I have read in some conversations that even suggesting there is a spoiler for some people is a spoiler. Um so, uh, what? Keep, yeah, if you're, if you say, if you say to someone, there's a big spoiler at the end of the sixth sense, uh, sixth sense, that in itself is, but that's not a, a spoiler. You're, that's a plot point. A yeah, spoiler but, is a spoiler. Oh, is sorry, when... sorry. Let me, let me rephrase it. If okay. you say someone, say to someone, there's a big twist at the end of sixth sense uh, yes. and they haven't seen it. That in itself is a spoiler of Agreed. the experience. Yes. Uh, so, uh, this will be covering that kind of topic in relation to the movie we saw last week, St. Maud, directed by uh, Rose Glass. Which we just kind of did the same thing. We just kind of did, did the same yeah, thing. Yeah, but so. we did it like a step away. We had a parasocial relationship uh, <laughs> with this concept. Which we have now ruined for everyone. No, I, I will say this. Uh, well, let me read out Baby Droid's email and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about it. Uh, I think I already mentioned on Twitter that I'm glad you guys pointed out that Mode's eye seemed to change color at some point in the movie i wasn't able to learn anything about it from the reviews that i looked at but i thought uh keeping it in the email later made it more interesting uh you guys also mentioned that the language being spoken by god is welsh due to how everything in the story plays out i'm confident that the reasoning behind this is that the voice is an extension of Maud's delusions uh since she does not know aramaic the language that jesus is believed to have spoken in her mind christ spoke welsh in my mind christ would speak gibberish so that that um that tracks baby dread thank you uh now the cling one on push- baby cling on <laughs> Now, the one question I have to ask, is the ending of St. Mode considered to be a twist ending? And if so, why does it seem to not be treated as such? This movie seems to be more talked about in the context of religious fanaticism, for obvious reasons, but that final frame contextualizes all the events of the movie in a very pointed manner. I'm just wondering why it hasn't been talked about in the same way that The Sixth Sense or Psycho when it comes to its ending. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Baby Dread. I have some thoughts, but Matt, you seem like you're eager to go. I am, but I just yammered on about a parasocial relationship for a while. So please, I, I would prefer if you take this one first and then I get to go. Yep, uh-huh. 
I think in the case of Saint Maud, there there are different levels of twists and and um, reveals, and there are reveal there are twists. For example, like the Sixth Sense, which I'm sure everyone has seen at this point, or if you haven't, there is a big twist at the end of the Sixth Sense. Spoilers, um, which uh, transforms <laughs> the way we have seen the film, uh, the preceding film, and then there are twists which either confirm or deny what we've been thinking but not completely transform what we have seen. And I think St. Maud falls more into that category, which is that the ending confirms or denies, depending on which way you're reading the film, what you have seen, but it doesn't transform what you have seen. And I think, I think that is the reason why this ending is slightly different to a Sixth Sense or um, Psycho, which I think you mentioned. Uh, Prestige is sort of in that wheelhouse, um, maybe in a different way. It would be fascinating for someone to kind of come up with a taxonomy of what defines a twist and and what the varying degrees are. As always, I don't think there's a fixed one-to-one relationship or a one-to-one answer to this. Sure. I think there are varying degrees, and St. Maud seems to be uh, something that's not akin to the sixth sense, despite kind of having that moment. Yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I just don't consider the end of St. Maud a twist. It's a... It's a, it's a um, you said what was the other word you said here? So sorry, it was uh, um, either confirmed or yeah, denied. It was, it was a confirmation reading. of yeah. a of a of a take that yeah. this movie could be that the movie is actively throughout the entire runtime of it playing with you with like right. it, the whole thing is you questioning is this in her head or is there some divine entity messing with her? I'm trying to think of like what the twist ending could be like not what we saw because I I don't think that's a twist but like what if like, <laughs> what if? Uh, uh, Don't spoil the ending. I'm not, that's why. I'm, that's why I'm stab- stabbing around. What if uh, it was actually Black Phillip, and mm. it's a continuation or a sequel to the Vich? <laughs> Didn't we have this uh, this reading of um, uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Ryan Reynolds science fiction film? Life. Well, we thought it would be a great prequel to Venom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would be interesting if that was the case. Yeah, look. Um, yeah, I, I to answer Baby Druid's question, I think that's why it's not being talked about in the same realm, which is that it is not this. It is not the same thing uh, as as something that transforms your viewing experience of what you've previously seen. Like, I don't watch the ending of. Um, St. Maud and think I've got to go back and revisit what I've just watched. Uh, in fact, right. what it does is it reconfirms or uh, just changes my perception of what was going on, but not in a not in a, in a in a not in a transformative way where I have to reevaluate what I thought of what was going on. Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, thanks again for that, baby. Drake. Do you want to take you. the next one? Let's move on to Jonathan Blade. Hi, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan writes. I don't know how to describe it, but sometimes in a film there is a magic in the zone confluence of presentation in which the narrator or motivational connective tissue isn't quite there, but it doesn't matter. You are on the ride, the bridge is out, it is, but we've already crossed it. Uh, A a probably backhanded way to say that I loved the film Paper Tigers. You should put it on the list. Its take on being a middle-aged guy is something I believe that Shahir would feel deeply in the same way that I do. 
you. I am clutching my pearls, which is what I tweeted to Jonathan Blade. I am not a middle-aged man. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, what, what am I, what, th- th- no, early, now listen, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I've heard uh, a lot of good things about paper, uh, The Paper Tigers. Uh, there was a great, uh, I believe it was Daily Beast article about the uh, writer and director being asked to change his characters from Asian to white people, um, which is uh, pretty fascinating. But this is a, a film which was a Kickstarter, which made it to the fi- made it to over the finish line. And I'm glad to hear that um, and not only has it got a theatrical streaming right now, a theatrical run, but also a streaming run and that it did um, resonate for for you, Jonathan Blade. So I will definitely try to check it out. There's a lot of movies, least of which there's another movie with the title Tiger in it, which I still need to see, and that is Romain Barani's uh, The White Tiger, Mm. uh, which is an adaptation of a great book uh, that is on Netflix right now that I still need to see. Uh, Not to mention there's a tiger in the movie we're about to discuss tonight. So tigers all around. Yes. Um, So we will get to that at some point. Uh, We have not restated our request policy or uh, or anything yet. We we were always talking about how we were going to do that, uh, perhaps with a Patreon or something like that. but at this stage, for listeners who do write in that we do hear from regularly, we will endeavor as much as possible to keep those films uh, on the top of our mind as we're picking the next week's film. So thank yeah, you for those. Yeah, I, I, I guess we used to have a system, and then yeah, we just well, dropped system the is system. A, system is a loose word here. Well, as a, we had a, a back catalog, I think yeah. the Cornetto trilogy is the last thing we still owe a listener from like three years ago. That was a listener from Taiwan, I believe, like yeah, five yeah. years if ago. If you're yeah. still listening, please <laughs> say hi. Um... The, yeah. So look, we'll, we will we will get to to things as, as soon as we can. I actually do like the idea of trying to figure out some sort of structure, but that would require time in a day. Yeah. Um. Anywho, thank you so much, everybody who uh, wrote in. Oh, we got one more. We got one we got more. I'm one so more sorry. One more that will lead us into the movie. Again, thank you very much for enduring the fact that we have taken probably, what, 20 minutes or something uh, to <laughs> actually discuss uh, before we actually get to the discussion of the film. We'll put uh, the we timestamp are... in the thing. We'll be fine. <laughs> we are discussing Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, uh, and this was written into us from Stephen, which will kick off our discussion of the film. When I hear stuff like Zack buying vintage lenses on eBay to shoot the movie... Uh, with, I feel like I should love this guy, but the plot is dull and lazy. And that was even before it was pointed out to me that there was basically aliens, only crap. Then I started seeing dead pixels on screen, and I thought, and I thought now, by the way, Zack Snyder, if you're listening, this is from Steven, not from me. Yeah. I apologize in advance. Fuck you, Zack Snyder. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, those were those were Canon dream lenses, I believe. Uh, 1969, I believe they were made, or maybe no, it was just 1960. He bought off eBay and then had them rebuilt. Yeah, uh, they were from uh, I think they were J- Japanese, which is cool. Uh, I yeah, like that. it was neat lenses. <laughs> Could you tell us what Army of the Did is about? Oh, I guess I can. IMDb says. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble. I like that iteration. Good, good, good. Venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Ever? I don't know, man. I think Danny Ocean would probably have a run for his money when he had to go to Europe and and rob all that stuff. I, mean, I don't I, know. There's I, no zombies. I like that. the I like the alliteration. Uh, take the ultimate gamble. I think That's you know, having fun. That's not yeah. alliteration. Oh, I guess it's not. What is that? That is. It's a That's play a on metaphor. words. That's a metaphor or... Uh, a it's play, a play on words, play yeah. On words, yeah. Well, I like the word alliteration. Um, <laughs> I even like it better when I haven't slept for too many hours and I can even pronounce it. Um, 
Regardless, this was a movie I was psyched about. I wanted to see Zach go Zach go back to mm-hmm. the stuff uh, where I kind of first fell in love with uh, his skill set. That being, uh, what was it, Dawn of the Dead? Dawn of the Dead. The remake yeah, the of, remake Dawn, of, of Dawn of the Dead, um, which I just I never remember if it's day, night of, whatever, but it's the Zack Snyder zombie movie before this Zack Snyder zombie movie. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that film. Of course, I was a different time in my life, but um, I, I don't think that terribly matters. I was getting sick of the other things he was making, and I remember liking this other thing, so I was like, oh, cool. Here's Netflix. That was, that was his first movie. Yeah, and here I'm like, here's Netflix throwing a bunch of money at oh, him. Oh, you were getting be sick of uh, the Justice Leagues and, and yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were saying in 2004 you were getting sick of the things he was making. I was like, yeah, his commercial, around. his commercial work was really boring <laughs> me. Uh, no, uh, and so, so, um, and I, I really liked uh, the cast on this thing. Right. Um, it was, it was super, super, super fun. Um, to be like, honest, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, uh, the fact that they had Tig Notaro in it, I was like, fuck yes. Right. Like, that that sold me a lot on what I was thinking the vibe of this would be. A late um, edition. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Dave Batista, great. Uh, everyone, even all the bit players, I feel like, were were such, um, how do I, like, just so, so fun. I want to find the woman's name, uh... Who played Caliber? What was it? Caliber, uh, uh, the woman in the red bandana. Uh, oh, the uh, the aliens rip off the the hard aliens rip. Uh, maybe, yeah. The um, Chambers? oh, weird. This is a hard thing to do. Um, <laughs> but regardless, um, I don't know. I just really dug. I dug the casting and what this movie looked like. I the idea and oh, by the way, everyone on this podcast, you know me. You know I'm a sucker for not really so much post-apocalyptic, but like 10 years after the fall of a city. And by that I mean like Escape from New York and Escape right. from L.A. style apocalypses. Like the 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 dressings are threadbare still of what is going on. This happened a few years ago and Vegas is now uh, a quarantine zone for zombies with a giant wall of container ship boxes. Um <laughs> blocking all of the zombies from getting out uh again silly premise silly silly premise but also i feel like silly premises go a lot farther in vegas um <laughs> i just feel like that's kind of a a narrative uh, hook point um and overall i will say i had a fine time watching the movie fun even on occasion um however this is where my mixed feelings come in i have to agree uh with Stephen's uh <laughs> Stephen's last sentence uh because there were just stuff I don't, I don't want to say too much before the very end um but like there were choices made um that make zero sense make it a worse film and would have been easier and less costly to make and that leads me to believe that these are blatant choices that someone thought were good. And that's weird. Hmm. Uh, it's weird to show so much skill in one aspect or a few other aspects of filmmaking and then like drop the ball hard on connective tissue. Hmm. And again, I got into a conversation with Jamie about this and she goes, well, that was a bad movie. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> but I liked it. I liked a lot of it. I liked parts of it. So, like, is it a 
bad movie. I like. I also know we we've talked about this before. Yeah. I knew what I was getting into when I when I wanted. It's a Zack Snyder zombie movie. Okay, mm. I know what that is. Uh, I didn't expect quite as many missteps in the plot department, but again, it's a zombie movie set in Vegas. There's there's different levers I can pull to forgive certain things. It's the congruence of everything. Uh, what are the last three Zack Snyder movies that we've done? Would that have well, given all... you a, like like Justice League, Batman well, v Superman, Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League? Yeah, you know, would, again, would have I... those three things kind of given you the sense that this might be? A I was film hoping with it... with a lot of missteps. Well, I know it gave me. It was definitely going to help me out on you didn't tone. Like Man of Steel, either. Right? No, I didn't. I, again, I was just saying I did. wasn't uh, I was definitely going to understand what Zack Snyder's oeuvre was, what the tone was going to be. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that, like, again, when he back when he did Zombies, when he started, he seemed to be able to put together a story. Uh, again, it didn't blow minds, but it was good. I never expected this to blow minds. And again, it's all part of like the hype machine too, right? Like the DCEU. Is uh, and the Marvel and all of the big huge tentpole things are so overblown in the public consciousness that when they fail or they they don't hit for people like they don't hit hard. I I'm going into Army of the Dead not expecting much but a good time and for the most part I got that. But the second you think about anything, <laughs> uh, it really does fall apart. So I keep going back and forth even in my own mind whether or not like worth it question mark not 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 to watch whether to worth it to be made i don't know like uh i i i i don't know uh i did have but I, I if i could percentize sort of what my thought process is i feel like i had more of a good time than a bad time but i'll also never watch it again okay like i don't know sorry that was a long way of saying uh i liked parts and didn't like parts she hear what about you <laughs> Uh, it's funny because I believe uh, uh, Jamie and I messaged. Uh, Jamie messaged me during uh, on Instagram today uh, about how mad she was that she'd watched this movie. Yes, and I was like, "Yes, I a hundred percent agree," uh, because I was watching it, going, "What am I doing with my life right now?" Um, I, I the the question that I had, and it's basically one of the only notes I'd written of any meaningful. Um, uh, of any worth as I was as I was watching this movie was is this meant to be fun? Is this meant to be entertaining? Is it meant to be scary? Is this meant to be funny? I couldn't figure out for the life of me what this movie was meant to be hmm. because I didn't think it did any of those things very well, and um, I think uh, it it it's it didn't work fundamentally on a lot of levels for me and and. I think on a premise level, this is a good idea for a movie. I think this is a good idea for a fun movie. Um, you know, it's a heist movie in Las Vegas with zombies. That's a great sales pitch. It worked the, for Abraham Lincoln. Why yeah. not here? Why not here? Exactly. Um, but the heist was fairly non-existent and non-functional as a heist. They just kind of said they were going to a place and ended up in that place and opened up a safe. Um, it's really a theft. It's a, yeah, it's just a, it's just a, yeah, your, your standard B and E. Um, and then the zombie side of it had an interesting mechanic that I think he, that I think the film was intri in, 
interested in pursuing, mm-hmm. but really didn't go anywhere with, which was this idea that there was an evolution of zombies um, beyond what we understood of zombies, and that is the idea that there are thinking zombies that have uh, planning and strategy and and are uh, a next evolution. Yeah. Um, I, I while an interesting idea, one that I felt really uncompelled by. Um, the then there was a sort of a family drama that was in the vein of Twenty Eight Weeks Later. I think mm. it's Weeks. That's the one uh, with uh, that. That's the follow up film, which had this sort of familial um, drama at the center of the zombie film, which I thought was really, really effectively done in that movie. And this film, I again was completely uncompelled by. I didn't care a lot about what these characters um, had to say or do to each other. And it, it and all of this kind of came down to the script for me was so poorly written in terms of everything was just exposition everything was just i'm telling you what we're going to do next and we're going to go do it there was no subtext to this film whatsoever it was just hey you uh you did this thing right and you it sucks that you're here i'm aware that it sucks that that i'm here in my life do you want to do a heist sure let's go do a heist and so on and so forth and the film just kind of lacked it, it lacked subtext, and then it lacked the sort of enjoyment of of just having no subtext and just having fun with the film. Um, I, I think, think. Oh, sorry. There, there. There's one idea I kind of latched onto that I thought was interesting, and it's this idea. I think the familial per- parenting thing I thought was like somewhat interesting, in this idea that the zombies had it. As well as the as uh, Dave Bautista's character, mm-hmm. um, but not compellingly done, and not interestingly done, and not not of value. I would say, honestly, uh, this movie is a hard pass for me, and it's a and it's a and and I would say, under no circumstances would I recommend this to any human being. Wow. Uh, this is not worth your time that's, in the slightest. That's way harsher than I'm willing to go. Yeah. Uh, I think what saves it for me and the moments I enjoyed, and again, I think the, the why it's so hard for me to nail it down is, you're right. The script and the machinations of what the characters do, there's no subtext. The, it's kind of sloppily put together. There, and, and also, on the side of that, they hint at hyper-interesting things that they never go back to. Yeah. Something that I thought was... It was a throwaway line, and it was just with like when the coyote woman was was um was fucking with them. I think because you don't know if she was telling the truth or not. They get out, and there's just a bunch of dried up zombie bodies right by the wall, right? And she cool says, cool and she's, "She's like, oh man, you should see it when it rains." And yeah. they're like, "What?" Yeah. It's like, well, they sit out here and they bake in the sun, so all the moisture goes out. So like for a couple hours, they come back, yeah. and I was like. Cool. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Is it gonna rain later? Of Chekhov's rain would tell us that that you wouldn't set up something like that only to have it not come back. Yeah, and it doesn't. <laughs> um, and so there's a lot of things like that. Heck, even the reason the daughter goes into I did the... not understand what well, no, 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 why no, no, no. she was going in. Well, no, I understood why she was going in. She was a volunteer at the like quarantine so, zone sorry. outside. Let me clarify. I didn't yeah. understand why the person who she was following in went in. Oh, uh, it was basically because you can make money to buy, to bribe your way out of the camps. So you can go in, steal a little money from Vegas, 
so you can bribe your way out of the uh, quarantine camp. Again, real loose. And look, that's what the movie said. Is it believable or smart? No. Um, but but even at the end, when like that was such a driving force for the daughter, when we're met with the final moments of the film or a few of them, that character's just gone. Hmm. Like the whole thing is the daughter trying to rescue her friend to get yeah. back to the friend's kids. And like we never see her past a pivotal moment. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, it'd be very easy to have her standing next to the daughter. Like, I don't I don't understand why that like there, there's a lot of weird choices. And for all of the things that the movie leaves out, it's long. It's two yeah. and a half hours. Like there's, there was a moment when I was watching this going, I can't believe there's another 40 minutes of this. And like, it's, and it's like, so so again, I felt like I was starting to say something good and then I just spun to the bad. Um, but with all of that said. I think two things make me latch onto it. Two things make me suture to to the um, to this movie. One, the I think the performances are solid. Are the characters cookie cutter? Yes. Are they template nonsense? Sure. Do I like movies where template nonsense are put together in different situations, then mixed, and then there's betrayals, and then there's like other stuff, even when it's super fucking simple? If they all have a gimmick. Yeah, I do. I like that. It's fun. It's like playing a card game. You know what cards are in the 52 deck, but when you shuffle it, it's just a little different each time. It's not going to blow my mind. It's just, I think it's a bunch of good actors. And then this leads to my second part, having fun. I feel like everyone who was performing, and actually a lot of people who were making this film, I felt like were really having a good time. This felt like, uh, and, and you know, it's funny. Um, I, I also watched to try to glean some stuff. I watched like the 20 minute, like behind the thing on Netflix. And those are all propaganda pieces that would normally go on like the Blu-ray or like whatever. Right. But I feel like you can sort of catch when, when folks are in those things, when like tons of stuff is piecemealed together or like they just don't have footage or like, you know, whatever. And they try to stretch it out. Like when a movie probably wasn't fun and was hard. Uh, this felt like everyone, and especially like the technical people, were just having a fucking blast. I think working for Zack Snyder would be fantastic. I, I think, think it'd be Zack real Snyder, fun. I think it'd be real fun. And I think Zack Snyder seems like a great dude. Like, yeah. I really do. Like, he comes across in all his interviews as a really likable guy who's really passionate about the things that he makes and really puts a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Like, and you see that effort on screen in every movie he makes. Yeah. I mean, right? he shot this thing. Like, yeah, here's the cinematographer on this. It, 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 so, so all, all that sort of rolled together. Like and the hints at something interesting that oftentimes is not delivered. I really liked the alpha zombies. I liked uh, Zeus and I liked the queen. Mm. Um, I loved lo if Tignataro's character was my favorite character in this movie. My second favorite character was Valentine, the undead tiger. Um, <laughs> so you could tell. And it's funny, even in the I knew this when I was watching the movie. But then when I watched the special feature, like you can tell the absolute love that went into making that thing. And Zach made a because that's an expensive thing to do. Like you could even see in like movies like Harley Quinn uh, and the fantabulous emancipation of her uh, that like you couldn't show the hyena forever because budget. Right. Like you're yeah. trying to stay under budget. They chose to do things with the fucking tiger that they didn't need to. Like there's one part where like the, the alphas are going back to their like hotel home. And like the cat just leaps on the car hood and then just like sits down and like does that side cat lean and yawns like. You don't need that shot, but it's fucking cool. 
And the re- like, I even love like, oh shit, that's one of Siegfried's tigers. Like there's Vegas ties to it. It all sort of like the world they built is functional. Just the plot and interesting, but the plot just fucking every time you get there, it just kneecaps you. Like, and so I see a lot of things I like in this movie. And I did maybe because I just wanted to like a dumb movie, like in the moments of watching it, I honestly, and this may make me sound pedestrian or whatever, but like, I was not bored. I thought the beginning of the movie was slower than I wanted it to be. But again, it was all just characters chewing scenery with one another, being cardboard cutouts, getting into dumb mercenary situations. And again, if I'm in the mood for that, which I was, thankfully, mm-hmm. I had a good time. Yeah. Um, so like, ah, uh, but like, I know all of the, like, the, it takes everything interesting that it does outside of those things. It like dangles in front of you. It, it, you know what it does? It's the equivalent. Okay, we're dogs, right? Mm. Like the viewer is a dog, and this is Zack Snyder holding the ball, and like, oh, you want to, you want to go get the ball? And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he does that thing where he pretends to throw it and puts it behind his back, and you turn to look and you can't quite find it, and then you turn around and he's like, go get it, and you're like, what? <laughs> That's the mental equivalent of so many points in this movie. <laughs> I feel like one of the debates you and I have had in the years we've been doing this podcast is the definition of good according to its relationship to enjoyment. I don't know. I don't even know anymore. But we've had that conversation many times on this podcast, which is I've said you can enjoy something but also acknowledge that it's bad. And I think you've disagreed with me because your point has been if I enjoy something it must be good in some way. Is that is that was that a fair summation? Yeah, and of, I think of, I still believe that. Like, but I, again, the, but what you've just described would that be an example of the thing that I'm talking about, which is that I think you're acknowledging this is bad, but you enjoyed it. Which there is, I think, are bad. A, there are bad parts of it, and mm-hmm. good parts of it. And but, while I was watching it, I had a good time. That right. is why I have a hard time calling this a bad movie. Is it difficult to say that? Yes, but I I actually cannot say that I think this is a bad movie. I think it does some dumb fucking shit, but I also think I had a good time. Right. I I think what I think you can say you had a good time, but I would be very hard pressed for even you to say this was a good movie. Is the movie's I I, jo- is the movie's job to entertain me? I think so. Is, but I is, don't- well, I, I would say yes. But, I, but, you, but you can't always like, say that about example. a film. Here's an you example. can't always say that about a film. This film, I think, what they set out to do was entertain people. Hmm. Was I that, entertained? That, yeah, that's the question I have on this movie, which is that I, I found I don't know what this film was set, out, was set out to do because I think everything that it attempted to do, it did so poorly that it my my judgment of whether they understood how a heist movie works, how a heist could be interesting, how zombies could be interesting, how could they be scary? How could I this be funny? Just went, I, think I think they just went low-hanging fruit and, I, uh, and, and parts of it worked and parts of it didn't for me. Like, right. I think that's kind of what it is. Um, but I, 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 did. I did. I did not dislike my time watching this movie. I will say... The ending of this film <laughs> is some of the worst trite bullshit I have seen in one of these styles of movies. Hmm. Um, this is what I'm going to say. You, you, you judge the thing on the whole, and I stand by 
my previous statements. But this fucking ending, man. So which which part? So we 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 can say we're in spoilers now. Which part yeah. of the ending? The character where um uh Amari. the dude yeah the dude yeah. with the saw and hack and uh, the safe cracker guy saw, by the way yeah <laughs> which we never see in action yeah except to uh, cut a wall. Well, no, we we see it in action. In here's something I did like. Oh, I just thought of a fun moment of the movie when they're all with uh when they're all like planning the heist in the thing and the models there and they're going through what's happening. Zach actually shoots moments of it, like almost in a, again, it's like not the speed, it, it, but like, yeah. it's almost like how they do in Shaun of the Dead. It's not yeah. the style. It's nowhere near that. But yeah. like, it, it's like they show them doing the things they're talking about. And it's like an easier version of what they're going to do. And he uses the saw in that too. Doesn't right. matter. <laughs> um, but the, uh, and I just really liked that. So that guy and safecracker guy. So the the alphas get into the safe and uh, they have like a, a a little bit of a bromance. They don't like each other than they do. And it's it's I like those characters interactions. And then at the end of it, uh, safecracker guy pushes saw guy into the into the vault and closes it to uh, assumedly protect him from the zombies, even though the nuke is coming. It, you know, whatever. I, I It's a hard choice. If Shahir, if you and I were in that situation, I'd probably throw you in the vault, too. Um, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um, but no, no, and if there was no zombie, I'd throw you in the vault and walk away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just starved to death. No. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the movie, after the Batista bullshit and the and the and the unsatisfying conclusion of that yeah, uh, character arc. But again, that that wasn't offensive to me. What I'm going to describe next is offensive to me. So, so that guy weird. gets out of the vault yeah. right at the end of the at the like the, after the, the ending one. Yeah, and lugs all the cash. Because like, it survived the nuclear blast because they nuked Vegas to clean out the zombies. Yeah. Uh, I do like side notes. See, I keep thinking of moments that I thought were fun. The mm. whole thing was they went in and they're like, oh, we got 48 hours. This is easy. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And then, of course, the ticking clock moves up. But there's a newscast explaining why mm. they did it. And yeah. it was like, oh, because the president said uh, they thought it'd be a really cool idea to do this on the 4th of July. But now there's pushback. So rather than, you know, move it forward or whatever, we're just going to move it back. We're just going to move it forward because Fuck it. Like there's such a like a, a jovialness to like how this was decided. <laughs> oh, that, but but did I mean as a political allegory, we know who we they're know pretending. We that know was. exactly we, what it is. It's yeah. just it's it's I'm saying the the farcicalness of it referencing that was fun. It would be farcical if it wasn't real life. If real life wasn't like that, like uh Yes, four, but four the years. farce is nuking Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Um Anyway, the character gets out of the vault and uh, was fine. Who knew that the vault was nuke-proof? That would have been nice to know. Um, which also leads to a lot of different plot points and holes. For instance, if they if they knew the schematics of the vault so much and maybe it would withstand a low-yield low nuclear blast, then maybe they don't have to do any of this and they could have waited until it was nuked again. But then <laughs> well, you know, also... it's actually not even about the money. It's about getting the zombie head to sell to the military because it's worth so much more. But if that's the fucking case, why not just hire Sunglasses Guy who eventually gets eaten by Valentine and the Coyote Lady to go in, cut a head off, and leave? Yeah, and just you say, look, that's, that's, that's the gig. We will pay you $200 million to do that. Yeah. Instead of instead of this whole elaborate ruse, which turns out to be, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I haven't even gotten to the part. See, I keep, this is the thing. While I'm trying to get to my point, I keep liking and disliking things. It's nothing weird. Nothing you said is anything I like. Well, eh, <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to go to the old adage, but sometimes you don't like fun. <laughs> And I'm not saying I, I'm not I don't saying think that's that there's the case, my man. I like, think this movie is bad. I and that's fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, 
the ending is bad. So the guy gets to an airport and he's lugging all this cash and he's like going through stuff and he's been walking for probably days and he gets his way on a private plane and he has a moment where he does a dumb quote. Um, which I was hoping he would quote Dieter. I was hoping he would quote the safe guy because then that would put like a kibosh or a sort of ending on their arc, I feel mm -hmm. like, but he didn't. Um, he toasts with the stewardesses and then all of a sudden he's sick and he goes to the bathroom. He looks down and he's been bit and then he lands in wherever the fuck he lands next and that's the end of the movie. Hmm. So fuck you, Zack Snyder, on two levels here. One... You've broken every loose rule you've set up about the zombies because he would have been. They seem to turn instantly no matter what. Mm -hmm. And he's been walking around for like four days <laughs> at that point. Right. I mean, um, could you so, say could you argue that the nuke slowed him down or something? I don't know. He's got, I mean, you could. He's got radiation poisoning. Yeah. I don't know. And then two. Uh, what a way to undercut any fucking joy the end of this movie could possibly bring. There's a million ways to do the, oh no, but the zombies are still like continuing. But like, to have literally none of these like, silly characters hmm. have any sort of like, like, remote catharsis just really, really rubbed me the wrong way. Huh. See, um, I, I, hmm. Okay. Because like, you can still do the thing without just showing... Like, there's. Wait, so, I, but I'm not. Is your gripe that he that he didn't survive, or because my gripe is that it's so poorly executed? Like, sure, but the, the whole know, thing like, is kind of poorly executed. As soon as he gets on that plane, I'm like, oh, there's another zombie outbreak or something like that. Like, and then the movie like takes another ten minutes to get to that point. At which point, I was like, I'm ten minutes ahead of this movie, which is what is the fucking problem here? Sure, and, I mean that. That's... And then the ending is like, oh, who gives a shit? I don't know. I wanted. <laughs> I wanted some character to come out with something or anything and no character does like no character does hmm. no character comes out with any benefit whatsoever. And that look, yeah. you could, you could have, What's uh, weird is I don't think that's a problem. I think the I problem think, is, think, is that every the, ending is so poorly executed. I For the style that this movie tries to do, which is sort of this like mishmash of like fun but violent but scary whatever, and you're right, it never, it never lands on one of those things, but that sort of moves it into trope goofiness for me, right? Yeah. So there's really no reason to have a, in my opinion, this is whatever, to have a fucking dour as shit ending at that point. If you want to do the zombie continuation thing, you could do it different ways. You doesn't have to be this guy who gets saved or has a good thing. But, like, no one we spend time with in this movie, cookie cutter as they may be. The the daughter gets away. She's, she, she gets away. Yeah, she gets but away. But nothing, nothing and she, she went in for. And she and she redeems herself with her with her father. Like or she has a she has catharsis with her father at the end of the at the end of his life. They they come to understand one another. Mm. My problem yeah. is is that tonally, this movie has done like three or four different things and has executed them all badly, and the execution of that ending is so poorly handled that the emotional catharsis I didn't care for, the sort of I, you know, like uh, the, the character actually says in the Joseph Campbell ironic twist of an ending, 
we will see that there is a there is a difference to what we think is happening. This movie is quoting uh, storytelling structure the entire way through. On the plane of Mary Hardwick actually quotes Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey. And to and, and says it will be an ironic twist. And then lo and behold, here is an ironic twist. There is your subtext. I have laid it out for upon my table for you, and here it is. My problem is, is that is just fucking terrible to watch. It's just badly done. Like, so w- when you're talking about like, there's things you like that were good in this. I can acknowledge that the. Again, the work that Zack Snyder puts into the visual design of this world, the fact that there was this wall built, the the visual language that he has is excellent. It truly is amazing. But it is all at the detriment of fundamentally telling us a story worth telling. And there is no story worth telling in this movie, which is why I will say fundamentally, if all, if if the way you're going to watch this is with the sound off in the background and that is your jam, then my man, go for it. If if you want to sit down and watch this movie, you are wasting your time. You're I mean, wasting, I, you're I wasting two hours and 28 minutes of your life. I disagree for, I, I, to that statement as a as a like as a statement like globalizing everybody. This movie is actually getting like and again, I'm not saying I fall into either category perfectly, but this movie is getting fairly positive reviews from a lot of people, which is weird. But like there are, are people uh, I, again, I like parts of it. Yeah. I enjoyed my time. I guess that's positive. Is it glowing? <laughs> no. Um and the ending really fucked me over, uh, to be perfectly frank about it. Like, uh, uh, although I will say there is a long-standing tradition of leaving Zack Snyder movies on with no sound. Uh, yeah. So I will, I, I will have I've that. I've revisited Zack sneak sequences in Zack Snyder movies to just revisit the sequence itself, just to watch the composition or to watch how he puts something together. It's also I've- so confusing, like. <laughs> We see all the competence many places, but not in the one place where it matters. But not well, not in. <laughs> I will say, not in one place that it matters. It's a pretty big place to not. It have sure a is, but again, story. but again, if if we are thinking of is this movie enjoyable to some people, then yes, it is. I am one of them, but I am a zombie. Um, it's. I just I. I think I get the most angry about it is because you see that there is meat on the bones and no one's going for it. Like, again, you even said, this is a cool premise. There's some cool things that they mention, right? Like, you could make such a fucking kick-ass movie on this premise. And we get an average one that I enjoyed watching that I'm just sort of like, okay. (laughs) Um, Last thing I do want to say about it is I didn't even realize this when it was happening, but... uh, Tig, Tig Nataro, mm, uh was a last-minute replacement, a very <laughs> expensive CGI last-minute replacement for um, what's that comic's name? Chris Dillialia, yeah, who did some bad stuff. And Zach went to Netflix and was like, "We need to." They they did this like sort of like an elaborate reshoot to get Tig Nataro basically superimposed over the previous performance and i think they only had her on set for 14 days right uh and she only met one of she only met the woman in the red bandana i think um she like she's never met dave batista <laughs> uh, and they both have been in the press jug it's being like we should hang out what's happening yeah uh and tig even said she's like uh oh well uh the next movie i'm in i really hope i get to work with the actors i'm <laughs> in yeah. the movie with um but like 
you know, you're watching it and you're noticing. I mean, it feels like I mean, I'm sure you notice you here and, and many of our listeners probably notice, too, if they watch this thing that like it always felt a little off, like there was some weird like digital artifacting around when she was in a group shot. And there was very rarely where she was in a two shot. Like, so you, you like understood yeah. w- that something was happening, but you didn't quite know why. That having been said, I'm actually quite impressed with the the I'll, I'll say the filmmaking side of this particular action mm-hmm. um i i it, did it did it trick me no did i did it derail me not really and mm-hmm. i gotta say the casting for this character i hope i want to see tignataro in so many more movies now like she was the absolute gem of this entire thing i um, i really like tignataro as a comedian and I like that she was in this movie. Do I like her character's perform her character and her performance in this movie? I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I think I think it's a it's a weird it's part of that tonal ping pong that this movie is doing, which I feel like she's in a kind of a different movie to everybody else. Well, she and literally she's, she's literally in a is. different movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, but, she, with, but with totally... the total disparities, like I, because there's one more, I was like, okay, yeah. Like, it's not like this was the one fly in the ointment. There's a lot of flies. Um, yeah, I, 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 the, 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 the digital, digital replacement, I think that from a technical standpoint, the digital replacement, what's, what's uh, amazing about it to me is that they did it within the confines of the optical choices that Zack Snyder had made already, which was this very extreme shallow depth of field. I think he shot everything completely wide open or yeah, yeah, no F-stop. No, no way stop. Nothing stopped down at all. So you get this really shallow depth of field with these vintage lenses that he has, which means there is all sorts of optical distortions going on, uh, optical defects, which are all very beautiful. Um, it's interesting. I think you, you see that this was done probably um, right before they shot the Joker scene in the Zack Snyder <laughs> oh, reboot. Oh, yeah. So those, those two, you, you'll see that those two look very similar. It's almost um, as if they might have been on the same set. They, I, I actually probably think they would have been. Yeah. Um. So, I, I think you know from a technical point of view, like uh, the challenge is always, you know, like uh, I've I've been asked to VFX supervise a few things recently, and and my as a director, my approach to VFX supervision is to be very hands off in terms of like if I told you how we needed everything to do a VFX shot, you would do the worst version of the shot that you want to do. You know, like if, if you if you told a director that like, OK, I need you to lock the camera off. I need you to shoot this plate and then this plate and then this plate. You, It's the worst version of what you want to do. Whereas if if the approach from a VFX supervisor is you do the thing you want to do. My job is to solve the problem of redo of integrating the things that you want into that shot. Ah, you're that's, a masochist. Yeah. Well, I just think that's that's a <laughs> but you're also result. right. Yeah, like, it's a it's it's a bitter result. Yeah. Um. There's a great example of this that I used to teach in film school called. Um, there's a movie called We Own the Night by James Gray. Oh. Uh, which is a wonderful film. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Um, and there is a scene in that film, uh, which is a chase, uh, a car chase scene. It lasts like ten to fifteen minutes, and it's uh at nighttime in the rain, and the technique and it's all handheld. It's very like um. Uh, the French Connection sort of style of filmmaking. But the amazing thing is they shot it at daytime with no rain. 
So the visual effect was to add in all the, the random stuff. And the, the VFX supervisor on that one said, look, if I told you how to do this, you would make the worst version of this. Instead, you should shoot the French Connection version and I have to figure out how to fix it. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I think that is very cool. That's got nothing to do with the movie. That's just got, sure. you know what I mean? Um, the movie is... Um, it's I, the worst I, scoring I think I've ever. I mean, well, I guess worst soundtrack. Oh, the needle drops. Oh, Holy the needle shit. Dro- oh, the needle drops. It's like it's like he <laughs> thinks mice- that he thinks that like songs are shortcuts. The but problem they're is, not. it's exactly the th- same problem with the script. The songs have no subtext. The songs are telling you the things that you're in, right? Yeah, I was. It was funny. I was. Com- I was thinking about um, him versus like someone like James Gunn. Yeah, James uh, Gunn, and it's like James Gunn uses it like a spice. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Zack Snyder just like doesn't I don't know doesn't understand doesn't understand music fundamentally like I, I don't know I just I don't think that I've ever um, I don't think Zack Snyder and again I really want to preface this as we always do on this on the show that this has nothing to do with the man personally I think he looks like a delightful human being and I think his work ethic and what he does you know very few people could do um, agreed. Um, it has to do with the end result, and the end result is something I cannot get behind because I think it is a. It would be a disservice to say to anybody, in my opinion, that this is worth your time. Um, and and there's there's that thing with the needle drops, which is that they are literally not only are they familiar needle drops. So they, when you do a needle drop like that, you either need to be not altering our perception of of what the what the track is, or using it in a context that is relevant to the scene so they're not relevant to the scene because none of the characters are listening to these to these tracks right it's coming from the filmmaker they're extra diegetic Mm -hmm. so if they are familiar as they are in all in the case of all of the needle drops in this film you need to like they need to like offer some recontextualization in some way and the 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 usage of zombie at the end uh by the cranberries really feels like the amount of thought that went into it was Hey, this song has the word zombie in it. This is a zombie movie. Right? Like it always, like all the needle drops feel like that little. And there were tanks and there were bombs and there were bombs and, <laughs> and their we guns. And they were fighting. And they were fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh and they ate which is heads. Interesting. They ate now, heads. They ate heads. Which is interesting because that song has a historical context that is that is that is quite beautiful and poignant. And yep. you know, like it is and so it would be interesting if he was using it in that sort of in that way but it's but but like it really does feel like as you're watching it hey this is a song with the word zombie on it with the word zombie in it and this is a zombie movie they should have got they should have got white zombie to score it yeah and rob zombie they should have got the the zombies what the the, the 60s band oh oh because i was like i saw some zombies in this movie (laughs) oh yeah actually that would have been fun as well it's like the zombies were actually performing yeah yeah why not um anyway no this is uh, i yeah i can't (laughs) i can kinda uh again this is not a glowing recommendation but if like dumb shit that has problems that you could also get behind some fun cookie cutter characters and silly uh well well uh, at least pretty looking situations uh, with give zombie your, stuff. Give me your best sell on this movie. Ooh, okay. Give me your um, best sell. Like, like here is a reason to watch this movie. Or, and and pretend it's not me. Oh like yeah. Someone someone. I would I would literally say um. 
uh, Vegas heist movie with zombies, Tignataro, Undead Tiger. I don't know who Tignataro is. We've literally talked about no, her. No, I'm I'm saying I, I'm I'm a person who doesn't know who Tignataro is. Oh, now you're strawmanning this. Um, <laughs> I'm just okay. saying I don't I don't know who Tignataro. Great, is. I might I don't know care. who Dave Batista is. May, look look him up. <laughs> Why are we talking about movies? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> good sell, good sell. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, I'm and this I think this brings actually my point kind of home. That is how hard I would sell it. I'm not going to go to thunderous bat for this thing. I just will say I don't want to speak in absolutes because I did enjoy it. And it seems like a lot of people are enjoying it or enjoying aspects of it. So I'm not going to speak in absolutes and say I would absolutely never under any circumstance recommend this to a person uh, because there are people I would recommend it to. But not everybody. Yeah, I, I, it's it again. That is that is exactly my sell sheet here. Yeah. It is zombie heist movie in Las Vegas, Tignataro, Undead Tiger, <laughs> and maybe that's enough for people. Maybe it's not, but that's about as much thought that went into the actual plotting process of this film. So I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, that's that's a uh, it, it's a sell. I would say it is a sell. It's a sell. This is a movie. <laughs> this has been a podcast about the film Army of the Dead. Shahir, when you are not being pushed into a vault by me to save you from an alpha zombie horde in sweet, sweet slow motion across a no f-stop blurry as shit image, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me uh, stopping down all the lean. No, actually, I'd be in the dark trying to think figure out how to open a safe um on my website using my website which <laughs> is a link to wikipedia on it and has an article on safe cracking at www.shahirdad.com that's s-h-a-h-i-r-d-a-u-d.com matt when you are standing atop a mountain with your dead tiger beside you a la zombie he-man where can people find you? You can find me petting the shit out of Panthor over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Um, also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. I believe by the time this launches, oh my gosh, we have already started the 30 Years War. Holy moly, this one's what, a, wait, a heavy hitter. I wasn't uh, Yeah, I wasn't it just happened. So, Jesus Christ. Um, I got to get out of this closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, welcome. No, uh, it's it's uh, we're looking at it through the lens of a humanitarian crisis uh, and also through the lens of the four horsemen of the King James Bible. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really interesting take. It's one I haven't seen on the 30 Years War before, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. So uh, please check that out. Um also, oh, shout out to a really great YouTube channel if you are into gaming. Low Spec Gamer uh, just guest wrote an episode of Extra Credits for us where they talk about Low Spec Gamer's channel basically is like making new games work on basically systematically weak systems, like basically making the new Doom run on a Livono laptop or whatever, right? Like, like but like doing it in a way like sort of decoding it to do it a lot of companies don't want people to do that because it damages the things but like we do a, we basically do a episode on why more AAA games should embrace the accessibility of the PC because it's the number one thing outside of the big you know outside of the US Europe and Japan that like people actually can get games on affordably and if you make your games like some people have even Fortnite did this or whatever if you make it with lower specs or at least the ability to make the graphics go down your user base will go up 
Like it's it, it's a very interesting thing. I know it's a little bit off topic from from what we do here, but uh, it's it was a wonderful collaboration. And uh, please go check out his uh, YouTube channel again. That is Low Spec Gamer. Uh, well, this is going to be the easiest softball I've ever sent you away. What is the video game tie-in to the Army of Dead? Oh, I mean Left for Dead. Of course, it's Left for Dead. Or the spiritual successor from the same team, but Valve owns the name Left for Dead, but they're all gone and they've rebuilt. There's a new one coming out at the end of the year called Back for Blood. Huh. Okay. And it looks good. I, I did enjoy some LAN games of Left 4 Dead uh, a lot. I, did we play once when we shouldn't have been when we were at the EMAs? Were you on that Probably. one? Probably. I feel like we might have done that once, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my movie recommendation to go alongside with Army of Dead, or in this case, watch instead of, is uh, David O. Russell's Three Kings, which I don't believe is on the Criterion Collection, but it is an excellent film with uh, George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice Cube, and Spike Jones, I believe. Hmm. Um, all uh, having to... Uh, plot a heist of Saddam Hussein's gold at the end of the uh, the first Iraq war, um, which is, uh, a fant- again, a fantastic film. They basically have to go into the war zone to steal um, Saddam's gold. Uh, it's a really fantastic, visceral, um, also politically well-motivated. David O. Russell is a problematic filmmaker, but man... This movie fucking rules. All right. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a hard recommend on that. One. Well, well, speaking of rules, uh, what are we watching next week? Do we could it know be the Paper Tigers? I don't know. Uh, could it be uh, uh, Army of the Dead? <laughs> Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, the Redux, which is four and a half hours long. Oh wow! I don't know. Maybe um, we'd finally know why some of the VFX weren't finished. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> We'll figure it out. I have not uh, actually looked that far ahead on the release calendar. Um, maybe, we'll figure it maybe out. the Paper Tigers. Uh, maybe we'll who try, knows? We'll uh, we'll certainly keep it on the radar. But one thing is certain: everybody loves a goddamn lobster roll. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Is, is a lobster roll a summer thing? I don't know. Is yeah, it? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really want a lobster roll in the winter. But wouldn't it warm you up the cockles of your heart? That would require me to have a heart, you hear. True, and cockles. Yeah. All right, this has been the only podcast about movies. Bye! Bye!